Okay, welcome to the conversation. Thanks so much, Ramna. Pleasure to be on your show, and I must compliment you for the wonderful work you're doing to support young entrepreneurs. You're most welcome. Thank you for being here. I, I'm looking forward to catching up with you on what you have been up to. Of course, we haven't talked in a little while, but um, but I, you know, we have followed each other's work for a long time. So uh, catch me up on Mela Ventures. Uh, Mela Ventures was launched about two years back, uh, Shamla, after I exited uh, Mindtree, which uh, uh, was a public listed company, which I grew to a billion dollars of revenue and a market cap of close to $3 right. billion. Now, So KK was the CEO of Mindtree, that's when we originally met. And, uh, that's right. And then Mela Ventures is his post Mindtree uh, yeah. project. Yeah. Uh, what we saw, uh, Shamana, is something in the ecosystem which we could contribute is uh, there were great or the quality of entrepreneurs were significantly improving and there were good ideas. Yeah. Uh, yes, but yes. Like you have done mentoring, uh, if a fund was to take the onus of actively working with companies, help them scale, uh, then we thought that the number of uh, successful startups would increase. Uh, so that was primarily the thesis of Mela Ventures, where we said we'll be an early stage fund, which means we don't do angel investing. And what we mean by early stage is we really come in as the first institutional investor. When the initial product market fit has been established, there are maybe three to five customers and there's revenues of anywhere from $250,000 to say $750K. So, mm -hmm. We do believe at this stage, the challenge which entrepreneurs uh, face uh, a little different from the first stage where they raise angel funding, build out the initial version of the product. Uh, this starts translating into building an organization uh, and that's where I think we are using our experience, network, uh, and uh, our knowledge to help entrepreneurs uh, navigate that stage successfully. Yeah. Right. Let me try to understand um, the specifics of the kind of entrepreneurs that to send you. Um, I actually have one in mind right this minute, which I could uh, let me first talk to you a little bit and, and frame where your investment thesis is positioned. Besides the stage that you described and the kind of check size and where you want to, well, we haven't talked about kind of check size. You said you want to see some amount of revenue, some product market fit. What, what, what is the fund size that you're operating with in Mela Ventures? Very interesting question, Ramna, because we're an early stage fund. Um, our fund is a little over 40 million in Indian rupees. It's about 320 crores. Uh, and like I said, since we typically be the first institutional investor, at the first stage, the check size varies anywhere from maybe 1.5 million to 2 million. Now, okay. we would like to have a double digit ownership of the company anywhere from the low teens to the mid-teens ownership. Uh, okay. Ideally, we're just focusing on B2B 
business models because we think the experience of the general partners is really in global B2B businesses and we can bring in both our knowledge and network to help entrepreneurs navigate the GTM with our support uh, and help them in a variety of other areas like building the next level of management team for our network, uh, helping them put strong processes on people, on operations so that they're ready for scale. So in a way, our a model of investing, since you asked about the investment thesis, uh, is that we do not intend to invest in this fund uh, with a large number of companies. Uh, we are very clear we'll invest in about 12 to 14 companies. So we are okay. focused uh, in our picks uh, and we work intensely with them with the intention of scaling them up 8 to 10x in two to three years. That's really the goal of uh, okay. Taylor Ventures. And uh, when you say B2B um, companies, so are we talking about mainly B2B SaaS selling to enterprises? Is that the investment thesis primarily from a sector point of view? Uh, you're right. A large part of our current investment and what we look at is uh, B2B SaaS. Because uh, personally, we are convinced that the enterprise tech landscape uh, is really ready for a big refresh. Yeah. The system of records like ERP systems uh, do not necessarily be digital friendly. And with enterprises wanting to accelerate their digital transformation, this opportunity for a lot of B2B SaaS companies uh, to become category leaders and global in nature. Uh, so that's a big part of our uh, investments. Uh, beyond that, we also look at uh, business models in specific areas where the business model is B2B, but it's not necessarily a SaaS model. And I'd just like to talk about one example of an investment which I've done in a precision mm -hmm. agricultural drone company, uh, because mm. one of the thesis which we had here was in Asia Pacific and in countries like India, the land parcels are small, uh, so you cannot use uh, other means like which is followed in developed countries like helicopters and so on to do spraying. Uh, so it results in human beings carrying uh, these uh, insecticides and pesticides and sprays, which also right. results in health hazards. Uh, and it's not efficient to do that. Uh, so we identified this group of great entrepreneurs who had done fabulous work uh, in uh, the Indian Space Research Program in Aeronautics. Uh, and they had mm -hmm. built an indigenous drone with complete IP on both the hardware and software. Uh, what we have done is to really transform it to a B2B model where we sell those services to large corporates which are now taking uh, huge parcels of land on contract farming. Uh, like it's a beer manufacturer which takes over a lakh hectares of barley in one part of India, okay. they start using that. So that's really, essentially we are looking at opportunities which lie at intersections of at least two technologies, which then help us build unique value. Very interesting, very interesting. Now does that thesis also translate into FinTech? Because FinTech has a big B2B element to it and there's a lot going on big market india is a very big fintech market 
What is your analysis of the fintech market? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, fintech is uh, becoming a very large market in India. And what is very interesting is the public digital infrastructure to support fintech in India is also very well established, uh, starting from the identity management system, which is other, right. to the UPI, yeah. which is peer-to-peer uh, -peer payments almost uh, um, with practically no fee. Uh, so with this public digital infrastructure being available to expand it to a b2b model where you can address both smds credit needs as well as uh, how do they treat their receivables and evolving businesses like build discounting and so on so we're exploring a yeah. few opportunities in that space the other mm -hmm. area where because of the public infrastructure which in the b2b fintech context appears very promising. It's the whole area of accounts payable. So we're looking at a few technology enabled collectible or receivables companies, uh, which are entirely changing the way in which collections have been done to reduce working capital cycle, particularly of small mm -hmm. and medium businesses. Oh, okay, very good. So um, we have an interesting FinTech company. I will, after we finish, I will introduce you to uh, Nitin who is uh, financing the company, already in substantial revenue and so forth. So, um, Now, what uh, in terms of the B2B tech, you know, the global B2B tech, mostly SaaS, uh, what have you invested in and what, what are you seeing there that's interesting? Uh, what, like I uh, said earlier, Samna, we see potential opportunities where Ideally, there's an intersection of two technologies. So one of the thesis which we have is that uh, the application of computer vision and AI will drive yeah. a lot of enterprise adoption in the next stage. Uh, so with that thesis, we look for unique use cases which are solving a real business problem. So one of right. the investments which have done uh, is a group of founders from IBM Research who had worked in the visual commerce uh, product there who have built a retail sales execution a solution using computer vision and AI to change the way in which retail execution happens. Uh, our thesis is that physical stopping is not going to go away because uh, while e-commerce is uh, becoming more popular, physical shopping is still a social experience and it will still continue. And traditional models of uh, store audit, like the AC Nielsen a report, which comes once in a month of sending merchandisers to the stores to count how much shelf space you've got, are all some things which can be dramatically transformed through digitization. So this company works with a large set of global brands, uh, helping them digitize the last mile retail store audit. Uh, so that brand managers almost get a real-time feedback of how their brands are performing in the shelves mm -hmm. and also get to know competitive activity almost on a real-time basis. Uh, Interesting. And these are companies you are um, in the point at which you're investing, are they selling only in India or are they selling elsewhere as well? What is What are the dynamics that you are investing in right now? Again, very interesting question, Samna, because this company, when we started, was selling only in India. 
and leveraging right. our network with three of the large global consumer product companies. Uh, they are now present in about 10 different markets and uh, this year the key thrust is to get into a developed market like US. Uh, so Fantastic. our fundamental value comes in terms of helping entrepreneurs chalk out a viable DTM plan with respect to the market, acquire customers, yeah. and then start scaling up. Well, and you have a unique um, Rolodex there, which uh, I, I imagine that is coming very handy through uh, mind, through your MindTree background. Yes. Now, yes, is MindTree part of your um, you know channel? Is are, is MindTree willing to sell some of these? Solution? Oh, yes. In fact, right now, I think there are at least three uh, global uh, prospects which are coming through the Mindtree channel. So, and including Infosys, there are two uh, possible prospects which come through that. So, number of yeah. the large uh, IT services companies, including Accenture Innovation Labs, has evaluated them and has taken them to two customers again. Now, so, it is the IT services companies because of the presence they have with the clients uh, and their need to rapidly accelerate digital transformation at their client premises yeah. becomes a very, very strong partner. Very interesting, great. Now, um, switching a little bit to a different, um, you know, trend topic that's happening in India, both you and I have been watching the Indian venture capital and startup ecosystem for quite a while. Um, there have been, what, 41 unicorns last year? That's right. That have 23 of them this year alone. So, so now, what do you make of that? What's, uh, what is your analysis of the unicorn mania that is happening in India right now? See, while a part of uh, uh, the uh, uh, media uh, visibility on unicorns uh, has put it in, what I call a, a very exalted state. Um, but if you look at, I think fundamentally today we have far more mature entrepreneurs coming into the ecosystem. Uh, uh, several yeah. of them are yeah. serial entrepreneurs. They sort of understand yeah. uh, what is it that didn't go well or uh, they might have not done right in scaling and they sort of fix a lot of those issues. Uh, and the ecosystem today in India is also far more stronger. Uh, I think uh, there are enough people available to mentor companies, help them through solving in an accelerated manner. Yeah, the real ecosystem has come together for sure. Yes, that's a very big change, which I find compared to a few years back. But, you know, what I was... Uh... As you know, I'm a big fan of capital-efficient startups, bootstrap startups, fundamentals-oriented startups. Mm -hmm. We did in January, I don't know if you read it, in January we analyzed 20 Indian unicorns. Yes. In you know separate pieces each. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe two were not, I didn't consider two overvalued, all the rest were overvalued, like dramatically overvalued. So that means that you know people are investing in the futures and expecting that the valuation is going to get backfilled in yes. due course. Yes. Which is the is the way in unicorn investing often happens. People you know put a very large valuation that is not the current valuation, but it's going it's the 
aspirational valuation, put the money in, and, and kind of give a lot of capital infusion to give throttle, basically, to the strategy of the company. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have seen India is only now going through this kind of a cycle. It, in the U.S. market, the Silicon Valley market, has gone through many of these cycles. Many of the cycles. This right. kind of investing hasn't always worked very well, right? Worked People, well. you know, make a mess of having too much money. Often they make a mess. So, so let's hope that at least some number of these entrepreneurs are going to be able to keep their heads straight and execute. And and if they do, there is tremendous upside because there's invaluable infrastructure that's going to get built in this process. I saw one company that is building surgical infrastructure in yes. tier two, tier three cities. Fantastic. Yes. I mean, okay, if what if, you know, a lot of money gets lost, this is very <laughs> worthwhile, you know, to yeah. do. You're putting and, in and the, the basics of what is required, which wouldn't have been yeah. through government intervention. Right, right. So so that all that is very positive. However, there is, I was talking to Rahul Chandra last week um, mm -hmm. about the same topic, and we were, we was like, you know, there is this kind of funding, the unicorn funding doesn't happen too much, right? It's, there are only a few players who have yes. the capacity to do this kind of funding. Yes. Um, but in each space, there are a lot of entrepreneurs. So one of them or two of them get big funding, all the rest don't. Yes. And then they start being like, okay, how do we then differentiate? How do we manage the company? Mm. And um, my take on this is that there are two ways of building companies. Mm. You can build companies in this mode where you like flush companies with capital and then backfill valuation and all that. But there's also the more fundamentals oriented way of building companies where you put small amounts of capital, execute yes. proper metrics, yes. good you know, valuation is commensurate with metrics and, and and you build capital efficient companies and, and frankly you with like twenty million dollar investment you can build unicorns in India. It will take five Absolutely to seven years possible. to get to hundred million dollars in revenue, but it's a real unicorn. Yes. So this point of view, however, I think is getting lost in the media's obsession and worship of unicorns. The yep. point of view of fundamentals-oriented business building is getting lost. What what is what what are your thoughts about this? See, I guess the media also has to play a role on it because, like you rightly said, uh, uh, making or uh, really putting uh, unicorn founders on a pedestal where. Uh, the unit economies are still not established, uh, but the fundamentals right. of the business are still right. not clear. Was obviously the way in which, because as uh, the number of business press grows and uh, each of them are fighting for eyeballs, I think each uh, in a way has outbeaten the other uh, to acquire those eyeballs. Uh, but interestingly, what we see is uh, Today, there is a significant gap between private market valuations and public market valuations, even in India. But yeah. what is happening in the last, I would say, few weeks uh, is that the public market valuations of tech companies are also seeing a correction. Now, to that extent, I think right now there is a bit of FOMO in terms of particularly the unicorn type of valuations. And like you said, 
there are two, three large players who only like to write large checks for dictating. Right, Tiger, SoftBank, maybe yes. also. Yes. Yeah. But there are also companies which uh, I would think are getting built, which aren't in the limelight, but are raising money, but with a very clear focus on unit economies, ensuring that in a reasonable time they become profitable and then scale. Uh, and yeah. I think as the aura of this cycle little bit dies down, there will be certainly a more what I call uh, assessed type of uh, uh, decisions uh, which entrepreneurs will take. Uh, today, again, one that to look at entrepreneurs, they're also a uh, little bit torn between saying that, hey, would I look stupid if I don't uh, uh, sort of take this visible funding yeah so i think they're looking at more in terms of visibility and uh, the initial yeah. uh, headlines which will come for the company without thinking can they deliver that value because at the end of the right, day, right right they have to deliver Back killing generation is a very dangerous slippery slope yeah yeah so and i think the the role of the media is to be a lot more responsible about putting limelight not just on these big fundings but also yes. on the people who are building serious companies you know when we cover companies in one million by one million we've been covering companies we've covered thousands and thousands of companies at this point right mm. i started writing the blog in 2005 and since then we've covered thousands and thousands of companies we do not ask how much funding have you raised we ask, have you reached $5 million in revenue or not? Mm-hmm. So if you want to be in the 1 million by 1 million entrepreneur journey series, you have to at least reach $5 million in revenue, and then we'll cover you. I don't care how much funding you raise. Right. No, you're so, absolutely uh, right. Uh, again, uh, even in the Indian context, there are a few examples of people who have built what I call really sustainable businesses. Uh, a company like Zero Down makes probably 300 plus million of profits, uh, completely bootstrapped. Or Sridhar at uh, Zoho has done a fabulous job of uh, just being completely bootstrapped and potentially, probably since he's private, one doesn't know the number, but I think it's at least north of 300 million in profits. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that that mode was actually becoming more accepted these days, uh, you know, as the Indian ecosystem was moving. And even in, in the in the global ecosystem in the U.S., the the more fundamentals oriented business building, more bootstrap business building, has become a lot more mainstream. But in the middle of this, this unicorn mania strikes in India with Tiger and SoftBank and so forth. Yeah, yeah. it's always been there here. So that's like a you know, two counter forces operating against each other, and it's a, it's a pain in the ass, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, it's a pleasure speaking with you, KK. I will, uh, as I said, I will introduce you right away to a company in our portfolio, and we'll see if you want to work on it. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Samna. It's a pleasure being on your show. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care, KK. Take care. Bye-bye.